Hello and welcome to the inoculation. Today we're going to look at some recent news um, around disinformation. My name's Eva von Schaper and my co-host is Daiva Repichkeite. Hi listeners. And I have a bit of a surprise for you. What is that? I was looking through some recent news and I decided I was a machine to summarize the articles. So I asked ChatGPT, which is AI software, to summarize some articles. And if you're interested in ChatGPT, we did a whole episode on that earlier last year. It's quite interesting to go in to listen to that. Um, people were thinking about ChatGPT last year, how there was really not an inkling of uh, how it could be released. Everybody can use ChatGPT now. So what do you have for us today, Eva? Um, so the first one I looked at was an article in Wired. And this is, I opened up ChatGPT and basically copy and paste it. And I said, all I did, I typed in summarize this. And uh, what I received is, and this is really verbatim, an article from Wired UK describes Twitter's efforts to combat the spread of false and vaccine conspiracy theories on its platform. The company has implemented measures such as adding labels to tweets, containing misinformation, partnering with health organizations to provide accurate information, and cracking down on accounts that repeatedly spread false information. Twitter also intends to reduce the visibility of tweets that contain harmful information but still allow users to access and discuss them. Despite these efforts, conspiracy theories continue to spread on the platform. Right. It's clear what I can expect to find there, but uh, so far I'm waiting to hear what's new. Exactly. So I think the summary is actually, it's good and it's correct, but um, it's missing a lot of what we would call the gist of the article. Exactly. And if we send something similar to our editors, we would be out of job in no time. If you compare the headline, you know, the Wired headline is Twitter is a megaphone for sudden death vaccine conspiracy. This, this pulls me in and this is a lot more interesting than what ChatGPT gave me. And um, also, uh, the Wired article starts off by saying, with an anecdote, when British radio DJ Tom Gao passed away suddenly during a, in a, during a broadcast in 2022, his friend and colleague James Hazel barely had time to mourn. And here, and they continue, anti-vaccine conspiracy terrorists seized upon Gao's death and turned his Twitter and Instagram feeds into a store information and abuse. That's right. Maybe so, one thing I just said, then I went back and chat GPT, um, another article. And this was uh, from the DFR lab, and it was how China funds foreign influence campaigns. And so the first, I mean, what was really the, what was really interesting in this experience for me was that using OpenAI feels so normal that, you know, I see what I typed. I said, please summarize. So I think, you know, am I speaking to a human or a machine? So I said, please summarize this link. Uh, I didn't even copy and paste. I just added the link. This is what OpenAI gave me. The article 
how China funds foreign influence campaigns, describes how China is funding and influencing foreign media, organizations, and politicians through various means, including state-owned companies, foundations, and propaganda outlets. The aim of these campaigns is to promote China's image and interests abroad, and to counter negative media coverage. The article highlights the need for increased transparency and accountability in order to counteract China's influence efforts. Because I had wised up to uh, chat GPT's ways, I said, oh, please give me some examples from the articles. And so the output is state-owned companies funding media outlets and organizations. China Daily, for instance, has been identified as a state-run media organization that has been funding for outlets and organizations to promote a, pr a positive image of China abroad. The article mentions that China has established foundations and think tanks in several countries to fund research and activities that promote China's interests. Propaganda outlets, state-run media outlets, such as Xinhua News Agency and China Central Television are used to spread China's views and influence foreign media. And, um, Influence on politicians. The article cites cases of Chinese companies and organizations funding foreign politicians to promote their interests and secure liberal um, policies. So this I already thought was a lot better. So in fact, it's not uh, replacing reading the article. It's maybe um, we could use it to help us to decide whether to read the article because it tells us what we can expect to find but it doesn't really replicate the enjoyment, if you will, of reading the article. Not only the enjoyment, I do think it fails to convey some of the feeling that these articles bring across. So yes, the summary is correct, but um, it's very, very neutral and it sounds very bland. Third article, Finland has been successful in teaching its students about misinformation in a survey of 41 European countries for resilience against misinformation. Attributing factors to Finland's success include a strong education system, a high trust in government, a highly respected teaching profession, and free college education. In contrast, the US was not included in the survey, but other polls show that trust in news media is at a record low. So again, I think that the summary is correct. Yeah, it sounds like an academic abstract, though, like a, an abstract of an academic paper. Yes, it does sound really dry. And so for me, if I summarize an article, I think one of the most interesting things is the, the most succinct, the most interesting quotes. Uh, Chat B GPT doesn't, doesn't do that. And it also just uh, leaves out some of the tidbits. Um, for example, did you know that uh, since Finnish is spoken by 5.4 million people and articles containing falsehoods that are written by non-native speakers sometimes be easily identified because of grammatical or syntax errors? And this is uh, an important detail, which um, is also something that we see in the Baltics. Those are the things that I found. Um, and again, it's, le it's leaving out a lot of the examples. And... Um, a lot of the things that would draw a reader into an article that would allow me as a reader to remember 
the article and um, to really be drawn in. And I think that's really a, a big drawback that GPT has. Right. So, uh, yes, I think uh, it's quite clear that uh, please continue reading news articles. Uh, don't switch to AI just yet. Um, you will fall asleep very soon if you do. I also, I mean, I think also the one thing where the GPT failed, I asked chat GPT to um, uh, an academic article. And so I just copy it like as with the first, I copy and pasted the address, please summarize. And the response I got was, I'm sorry, but I cannot summarize the content of as it appears to be an error page on the pub pub platform. So um, it wasn't an error page. It just, for some reason, just uh, chat GPT couldn't work on it. What I did was I went back and I copy and pasted the whole article, which was quite long, but not horrendously long. And I asked uh, chat GPT to summarize again. But then they, I just got the reply. The article was too long, and ChatGPT just basically refused to summarize, refused to work on it. Yeah, but this is where something like an automatic sum summary would be very useful, because uh, if we're not academics, we would really benefit from a, a summary that kind of gets the, gives us the gist. Whereas uh, for news articles, we would like to enjoy uh, the, the story. We can generate a sort of abs academic abstract style summary uh, with ChatGPT from news articles, but not from academic articles where we really need it. Well, I don't know. I mean, this is actually, uh, this was with one article. Um, I'm not sure that this would, ChatGPT, would never be would never be able to summarize an article. Uh, it's totally possible that I made a mistake while inputting the article. Yes, it has its limitations, but it's it's an incredible tool. And again, um, we need to remind um, ourselves and our listeners that we're working in English, which is the most uh, popular. Uh, language for these things in the world, so it will take a while until we can get uh, a kind of good uh, service uh, for for uh, new summaries in other languages. If you're right. What did you find especially interesting this week? This week, and I'm as I'm kind of easing into my uh, fellowship in Florence and and uh, where the European Digital Media Observatory is also based. Uh, I read their report about about the died suddenly conspiracy which was also covered in the uh, wired article that you talked about and so they mobilized their uh, fact-checking network for in different countries and they found how this conspiracy circulates in many languages so uh, they found traces of it in spain in the baltic states uh, scandinavia and greece and france and 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 so on, many others. So it was adapted and uh, localized by local disinformation actors. Okay. Then I've also been uh, checking some uh, Twitter hashtags that Twitter was uh, strangely enough pushing onto uh, my feed. And 
uh, I found some interesting overlaps of climate uh, climate change denialism and uh, anti-vaccination uh, uh, conspiracies. So really uh, elaborately drawn um, images of this kind of dystopia um, where children are being pulled away by police uh, with uh, uh, syringes and, uh, and, and things like that. So again, we're seeing another iteration of overlaps between these two movements, but that's, yeah, that's just a Twitter trend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually wanted to know, is this hashtag um, that's been been in use for a long time or is it just trending now? So is it a new hashtag that's trending or is it just something that's somehow uh, moved to the forefront? It's been around, but it's uh, coming back sometimes and, and then staying quiet for, uh, for a bit. But uh, it seems to be the hashtag that, uh, yeah, that this kind of conspiracists are engaging every time there's something that can further their views. So every time there's a new policy or uh, they want to react to something or, for example, the leaders are discussing new climate policies. This is when they pull out the hashtag. Okay, okay. And is there anything else that you thought was interesting? So Nature recently published a paper um, based on a study on about vaccine hesitancy in 23 countries. Those countries are sampled from different continents, and the survey was carried out last year, and uh, now the results have been uh, processed, and uh, uh, here they are. Uh, so they looked into uh, COVID-19 uh, vaccine hesitancy or acceptance. So they kind of, of all the survey responses, they created a sort of uh, binary, whether people are hesitant or accepting uh, and uh, uh, taking up the, the, uh, the vaccination. They separately asked about boosters and they separately asked about uh, children's vaccination. So... What they found uh, was that in eight of these 23 countries, so in, in one third of these countries, um, hesitancy has increased. Mm-hmm. And uh, a very interesting population is, uh, is, the, is vaccinated individuals who are hesitant about uh, booster doses. And that's one in eight, one in eight uh, survey participants. Uh-huh. Uh, they say that almost two in five respondents paid less attention to new information about COVID-19. Did they give a reason? Did they say why people more hesitant about uh, vaccinations or booster doses? So they gave similar reasons to the ones that uh, the articles you um, brought in today uh, have cited. So distrust in government is a big one. If people mm-hmm. don't trust their government and their health authorities, then they're quite uh, likely to refuse vaccination. But also there is the perception that the new variants are less severe and that uh, the new treatments um, can actually deal with the disease without the need of vaccination. So when this uh, theory or, or this statement takes hold, um, populations are less likely to um, take, the, uh, take the vaccines when offered. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, what I also found interesting is that uh, uh, when I looked at the countries that we have covered before, over a third of the respondents uh, they uh, surveyed in Poland 
were hesitant, so vaccine hesitant. So that's a large number uh, for a European country. And also close to a third of uh, vaccinated German parents are hesitant to get uh, vaccines for their children. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty in Germany about uh, children's vaccinations in part because the head of German vaccination officials uh, said on TV that without any without any uh, scientific reason said he would not have his own child vaccinated. It was very unhelpful and it was very confusing for a lot of people because uh, I think a week or two after that, um, the new guidelines were vaccinate children. So that was not, um, I think that left a lot of people with confusion as to uh, vaccinating children. And I think what's also, we've talked about this, a lot of parents in Germany who themselves are vaccinated um, use vaccination uh, for childhood diseases uh, such as, as measles. So that, that just might be very Germany specific. Yeah, and it definitely deserves further unpacking. And then maybe to end on a slightly funny, but it's not funny at all for the uh, businesses affected note. Uh, so in Lithuania, there is a new conspiracy in town and it relates to um, insects in food. So it's not uh, about those situations where uh, an insect accidentally ends up in, uh, in your flour and then uh, um, is baked into bread. But, it, but actually, uh, uh, the conspiracy says that uh, now that certain insect products uh, are allowed to be used in food in the EU, if they are clearly labeled, uh, conspiracy theorists uh, took it all the way to claim that uh, actually they are already being used and they are not being labeled and... Uh, our bread and cheese and whatnot are full of cricket flour. <laughs> and, and then to make it more interesting, they, they said that, um, oh, actually, um, our food is not only full of insect flour, but it's also full of heavy metals. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, uh, definitely uh, uh, a different direction. What I think is interesting here, and maybe we look at that in another episode is that fear of insects and insect infestation is something that comes uh, that is recurring in uh, right-wing conspiracy theories and also ivermectin which some people completely wrongly claim is against covid is in fact um, used in horses little insects called mites so um, I think that's the, I wonder if that's a coincidence or if this is truly part of, you know, a bigger school of, of conspiracy thought. Oh, wow. This is actually really fascinating. And I never made this connection or I've never seen this particular connection made. But the expert interviewed by the Lithuanian Public Radio, uh, LRT, actually said that healthy living communities are prone to believing in conspiracies because they are very concerned about eating clean and uh, purity in all senses of the word. So people who are all about eating clean and living clean are, are, are fearful of being tainted. You sort of, you found a critical juncture here that uh, 
the fear of insect contamination, the fear of heavy metal contamination goes hand in hand in those groups. Yes, and also this idea of purity as such is, is something that we also repeatedly have come across. Okay, so this is what we wanted to explore in the news today. And we will go back to the question of artificial intelligence and the question of purity. So we look forward to uh, next episode, which is going to be in two weeks. Thank you so much. Bye.